Good morning and welcome to the Home Affairs Select Committee and Happy New Year to everybody. Uh, this is the final session our, on our inquiry into police and crime commissioners 10 years on. Uh, the aim for this session is to explore the impact there has been uh, when PCCs take on responsibility for fire and rescue services and why uh, so few PCCs have done this so far and also then we'll have a second se session with the Minister to discuss uh, the, the inquiry uh, to date. So if I could start with our first panel and um, perhaps I could ask our witnesses to introduce themselves to the committee. Uh, Mr Hurst, would you like to start? Uh, good morning and, and thank you very much for inviting uh, me, us, to, to be here in front of you today. I'm Roger Hurst. I am the Police, Fire and Crime Commissioner for Essex. I'm also the Association of Police and Crime Commissioners National League for Finance. Uh, and I was the first um, PCC in the country to take on responsibility for fire and rescue. Um, do you want me to...? I will have some questions, I think, about that. That's great to just introduce yourself, so okay. thank you for that. Uh, Mr Hardingham. Yeah, thank you, and uh, good morning, everybody. Um, my name's Mark Hardingham. Uh, I'm the chair of the National Fire Chiefs Council, uh, a role I've held for coming up to three years now. Uh, prior to that, uh, I joined the fire service as a firefighter many years ago, and ended up as a Chief Fire Officer uh, in Suffolk uh, for about eight years before coming into this role. Thank you. Thank you very much. Um, I'm going to start us off, uh, Mr Hurst, by asking you, why did you uh, decide to take on responsibility for the Fire and Rescue Service when so few other uh, Police and Crime Commissioners have actually done that? Why, why did you think that was a, a positive step? Okay, um, it's, it's, it's a good question. So I, before I became PCC, um, I was at the County Council um, and I was the Cabinet Member with responsibility for community safety. Um, so I had liaison with both fire, with the Chief Fire Officer and with the Chief Constable. Um, and the Fire and Rescue Services, the County Fire and Rescue Service at the time was more than troubled, I think is probably the way to put it. Uh, you may not have heard of or read of the Irene Lucas, Dame Irene Lucas report. Uh, but Essex County Fire and Rescue Service had had a lot, a, a very bad period of hazing and bullying, and indeed there had been suicides within the service. Um, and obviously, I knew the members of the then Fire Authority uh, and had discussed with them how to take forward change. They had commissioned uh, Dame Irene Lucas to do that report, uh, and she reported in October 2015 uh, and made the points that the culture of Essex County Fire and Rescue Service, I think she, she described it as toxic um, and she, she described management as dysfunctional uh, and said that the, dysfunctional, the dysfunctionality of the service presented a risk to the public. Um, why on earth do we want to take that on? I think the, the point was that talking with the fire authority, it was clear that the Fire Authority had been very active in identifying the problem, but was struggling as a committee with the sort of change management which needed to be done. Uh, the opportunity was there in the legislation, um, and I had a conversation with the leader of the County Council and with the Chair of the Fire Authority about whether my experience as having taken on PCC and already having effected some change in the policing service. We were changing the senior management team there and upgrading it. Uh, Essex Police had also had some less than good 
uh, ratings from HMIC, uh, and that was working. So the, com the conversation was, can we do that with uh, fire and rescue as well? I actually had put it in my first manifesto um, for the PCC role, saying I would do it because the legislation was there. And it was, I think, regarded as being a... The, the, the things which are good about a PCC role, I mean, my predecessor as PCC had already shown you know, it's quicker decision-making. You can, you can make... You, the chief officers are more accountable. You are one-on-one. -on -one, you're really into the detail of it, and you can drive in a way which a committee finds difficult. Um, so I put it in the, in the manifesto. I got a mandate, and as I'm sure you all know, an electoral mandate is a very powerful thing. Um, I think being able to turn up and say, I have the mandate to do this, and talk to the workforce, talk to the rep bodies, who, of course, were bruised by the reports that had come out, but were also very well aware of the difficulties in the service. Um, we, we basically had a groundswell of agreement that we needed to take action and that I was the person to do it. Um, so, in the end, the Fire Authority voted 16 to 2, with some abstentions, uh, for the <coughs> transfer. We presented a business case. The business case has stacked up. You know, we, we said that uh, we thought there'd be some real benefits in terms of collaboration, particularly with policing, that we'd be able to extract some costs, that we'd be able to do some things better together. And the, 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 uh, the external consultants said the max would be around 31 million, but that actually we'd probably realise between 15 and 23. As of today, we are at 18.9 million pounds worth of savings uh, out of that better collaboration. So we're, we're, it was a 10-year programme. We're, we're five years, six years through, and we're, yeah, we've, we've made the minimum and we're on our way to the maximum of what the savings can be. That's not really been the real justification for doing it. The big justification was the changes needed. Right. And what I had to do... That, sorry, go on. Well, I was just going to say, do you, is that unique to, to Essex? Is, is it that there were particular circumstances there that needed a different approach, whereas that doesn't apply more generally to the fire and rescue service around the rest of the country? That, that was the contention of other fire and rescue services when I took on the role. Um, the, my, colleagues in, my new colleagues in Essex told me that it was typical and that the, what they weren't alone, but other fire chiefs told me that we were. Um, I think the Nazir Afsar report that you will have read um, has said that we were not alone and that there are other fire and rescue services that need to make change as well. Um, but I, I certainly think that that electoral mandate, that individual being able to really get into the depths of it and hold the service to account, we changed the senior management team. That wasn't easy. There, there, there were legal processes that took place. We ended up um, with court settlements um, in terms of the changes we had to make. Um, but I did appoint somebody who was not a fire officer, not a brigade manager, as the chief, uh, chief fire officer. So I appointed a woman who had just um, left Lancashire County Council, uh, Joe Turton, um, who is chief executive of Lancashire County Council. So a fantastic track record in change management uh, and obviously experience at very senior level in local government. Um, we were really lucky to get her because the, not wishing to be in any way detrimental or, or dismissive of the, of the role of Chief Fire Officer, uh, I have huge respect for, for our current Chief Fire Officer and indeed others, but Chief, Chief, Chief Executive of the County Council is a bigger job. Yeah? So we were really lucky to get her 
I think she regarded it as her, as her last gig in local government. And she drove change in Essex County Fire and Rescue Service in a way which I think she knew what good looked like. And that's, that was really hard to find within Essex. There was a real will to change, but having somebody who understood what, how it could be better was really valuable. Okay. And, and she changed that in three years. So we, we have now had the HMIC course for concern on cultural, or HMIC FRS, course for concern on the cultural Essex Fire and Rescue lifted. That's gone. Right. And that, that, I think, is the biggest single achievement. Okay. Mr Hardingham, what, what, do you, um, what do you think about what we've just heard then about Essex and about the change that was required? I, is that something that's needed across the whole of Fire and Rescue Service? Um, I, I think it varies from one Fire and Rescue Service to another. Um, the issues around culture, uh, absolutely there are significant issues around culture in fire and rescue services uh, in parts of the country and we've seen that uh, in only last week in a report from South Wales Fire and Rescue Service and previously from Dorset and Wiltshire uh, and London over the course of the last 12 months. Um, and there, there, is, there is undoubtedly examples where people have had some very difficult experiences in fire services, uh, both recently and historically, associated with bullying, harassment, mm. uh, misogyny, homophobia, uh, and that's completely unacceptable. Uh, and the fire service needs to be better, uh, and it needs to change, and it needs to change quickly. Having <coughs> said all of that, uh, equally, the, the reports, whether they've come out from the inspectorate or whether they've come out from um, the people carrying out the individual reports I've talked about into those services have recognised that uh, this is not the majority of people in fire and rescue services who behave that way. The vast majority of people in fire services do their job in a fantastic way, support their colleagues, work closely with communities and the public, but actually there are a minority who have difficult experiences and it needs to change for those. And Essex has some early examples of that going back about eight, nine years ago now. And, and, but leadership is very important, isn't it, in changing culture? So having a police and crime commissioner who has responsibility for the fire and rescue service is a very clear way of providing fresh new leadership that, that could tackle that cultural problem that seems to be in so many of our fire and rescue services. I, I think it's one way of doing it, and I think... Of Not the, the five, best way? Well, I, I think there are other ways to do it as well. So I think there are examples of fire services across the country who are governed through metropolitan fire authorities or combined fire authorities who have equally done a very good job. And which ones of, are those? Which um, ones so you? if I, I would pick out uh, Merseyside, uh, Lancashire, Kent as right. three examples of services, metropolitan and combined fire authorities, who have uh, reported very well through their HMI reports around how they manage culture in their organisations. Right. Okay. I think sometimes, and, and the Essex experience uh, having sat um, as a neighbouring service in yeah. Suffolk as a chief fire officer, sometimes it's the catalyst of change, uh, which is what's important, and the shift from one governance model to another has provided that catalyst, certainly in Essex, uh, and in the other four services that have moved to governance under a police fire and crime commissioner. Uh, my reflection is they've all done it for different reasons. Most recently, Cumbria have done it because of a change in local government structures in Cumbria. Um, North Yorkshire and Northamptonshire did it in part because of financial circumstances impacting on their own organisations and Northamptonshire was coming out of a county council governance arrangement at the time as well. So each of the PFCCs have gone through a process of change for a particular reason and certainly the Northamptonshire and North Yorkshire example is where it was financially related 
there has been a benefit financially for the authorities and the services as a consequence of that as well. So they've all worked, even if it's for different reasons, you're saying cultural or finance, they've all worked actually moving to, to the incorporation of the Fire and Rescue Service into the Police and Crime Commission as well. I, I think so, and I think yeah. ultimately when the public look at the service that's being delivered to them by firefighters and staff in Fire and Rescue Services, I think the vast majority of the public would say that they are satisfied with the service they are receiving, and I think that would be no different under the five under the Police, Fire and Crime Commissioners as well. Right, thank you. If I may just on yes. that as well, I mean, I think it's not just public sentiment which is there, but also you know, I'm quite pleased with the fact that over the period I've been in office, the, the improvement in performance of Essex County Fire and Rescue Service has led to the fact that we've seen primary injuries rate per 100,000 population down from 4.8 to 2.3. Okay. So people are better off. Right. Fewer people are being hurt. Okay. Right, thank you. Tim Lawton. Um, thank you, Chair. Um, Mr Hurst, my own um, fire authority in um, West Sussex um, and the view of the County Council, it's, rather, it's been rather different. There's been this rather big resistance, one, to merging West Sussex with East Sussex as a Sussex-wide, which would be quite a large fire authority, but secondly, absolutely resisting the Sussex PCC taking fire services under her wing as she would like to do. Mm -hmm. And yet we had problems with our fire service some uh, years ago, although they've certainly been helped by bringing in our brilliant fire officer, Sabrina Cohen um, Hatton, um, who certainly helped um, uh, things. Um, would you say, therefore, that, that it's the view of all PCCs that they would like to incorporate fire services within their role, and it's a resistance by county councils effectively losing control of part of those services uh, that is restricting that from happening England worldwide? All might be an exaggeration, in fact I think it would be, but absolutely most PCCs, I think we, we have a model as PCC that works with policing and it, the PCC review that was done said it, it works better than police authorities and the experience of PFCCs has been that PFCCs work better than fire authorities. It's not that the authority model is completely flawed, I think it's really good when things are going well at, at keeping things steady and making sure the voice of the public is heard. But if you have a crisis, it is difficult for a committee to drive change in the way that it needs to be done. That, that, it's probably that simple. Yeah? Sure. But, would, but it sounds like it wouldn't have been as easy for you to convince Essex to transfer that responsibility if everything had been hunky-dory in Essex. I think that's services. right. Yes, I would absolutely agree with that. Their problems made it easier for that structural change. Effectively. They were looking for a solution and they found me, yes. Okay. Um, and I would, I would agree with that. It, it's certainly the experience of colleagues who've wanted to take it on has been that the challenge from the existing fire authority from councillor colleagues has been re very robust. Uh, I mean, I know West Mercia Judicial Review, uh, John Campion would have loved to have taken it on, but it just didn't get there. Okay. Um, and if you, if you, sorry, sorry. No, no, I'm, I'm just trying to see then how it works in terms of the public-facing aspect of, uh, of, of this. Because a PCC um, has a, a role, obviously, of accounting to the public for yes. and responding to the public for policy and what the PCC's priorities should be, although not getting involved in operational um, matters. Of course. How does that translate, then, to your oversight of overall policy towards... 
um, the fire service. You, you can't really come up with a policy, you need to put out more fires or you need to concentrate more on cats up trees or whatever it may, may be. It's a, it's a different sort of oversight, isn't it? And how do you interact with the public in terms of, I guess, you get far fewer complaints about the fire service because people's interaction with the fire service is largely as an emergency service and there aren't many people who complain they took five minutes too long to come out to put the, my house fire out or whatever, although we know that's only a very small part of their services, whereas mm. many people will have a comment about the police that they aren't doing enough to tackle antisocial behaviour in my high street or they didn't turn up about my burglary for four days or whatever it might, might be. So what are the differences on your oversight of that? Well, in terms of oversight, actually, I don't think there is a great deal of difference in qualitative or structural terms. There is a big difference in volume. I mean, for, for comparative purposes, you know, I have 3,755 cops uh, and 686 firefighters. It's a big difference in numbers. You know, total police service is 7,000 people, total fire and rescue service is 1,450. Um, so, it's a different weighting. I'd probably give more time to the scrutiny and support of the Fire and Rescue Service proportionate to its size relative to what I do to policing. Um, because we still have the same rhythm of monthly scrutiny meetings, quarterly review of strategic decisions, etc., as we do for, for the police. So it's, 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 it, is, it does absorb a fair chunk of time. Um, I, I would take a little bit of issue with your, with your um, description of the fact that there's, there's no impact I can have on the strategy for fire and rescue. It's not all about uh, cats up trees and whether we have a, a good, a large animal rescue, although that does matter. Um, but actually, it, the approach to both in terms of setting strategic direction has been quite similar. Um, the, the, the big strategic thrust of my election literature in both cases, and I think that is one of the, actually the advantages of being a, a PFCC. Yeah. When did a county council ever put in a council in, in an election leaflet what it's going to do with fire and rescue? Mm. Indeed, when did it ever put in it what it's going to do with policing? Um, whereas we, of course, fight on. This is what we intend to do, and my strategic thrust has been towards prevention and towards the protection of vulnerable people, and that's it for both services. And it's and. One of the biggest benefits in terms of collaboration has been bringing that protection of vulnerable people together, bringing the, the joint education service, getting out there and talking to school pupils about how to keep safe. We do that together in Essex now. It's police and fire and rescue together, jointly branded. And it's about keeping safe in terms of how you protect yourself from sexual predator or whatever, and keeping safe in terms of how you manage your hazards in your life. But, that okay. really has made a difference. I understand. What about complaints, though? So what are your typical complaints that you're getting from council taxpayers um, about the fire service compared with the Tiny. Absolutely tiny. Occasionally, we, there will be something. I mean, we had a situation where a number of beach huts in, um, in Frinton-on-Sea were burnt and the fire tender had a mechanical problem uh, and therefore had to be backed up from somewhere else and it was a late, so they were destroyed. Um, that created a complaint. But okay. yeah, I, can I can remember the individual complaints in fire and rescue. Um, that is not the case, of course, in policing. Policing take away people's liberty. 
people are going to complain about sure. that if they can. No, no, notwithstanding the importance of beach huts, the big issue in my constituency as well as the case of constituency, but um, uh, it's the public-facing role I'm interested in. Is the yeah. lack of complaints, because there have been serious problems with Essex Fire Brigade, as you know, which yes. initiated that, uh, that, that change, because people don't really know or understand that they have an elected commissioner who also oversees the fire service. Is there a lack of awareness amongst the, amongst the public? Because I think there's a general lack of awareness as to who's responsible for the fire service, certainly within, within Sussex. You know, is it the county council? Is it the fire service? Is it um, the rest of Sussex? Is it the police commissioner or, or, or whoever? Um, have you educated your electorate as to how they can approach you about uh, problems with the fire service? Or so, so, As I say, I, I, in, in the last election where I was already PFCC, <laughs> I had a big chunk in the literature that went out about the fire rescue service, what I intended to do with it, uh, the strategic direction I wanted it to take, about that move to prevention and protecting vulnerable people. Um, I do a lot of public meetings, um, and the public meetings I go to, I take along a police, the lo normally the local district commander and the lo local fire and rescue station manager. They're both there, I'll be honest with you, and say that yeah, I would say the, the questions are 80-20, police, fire and rescue. Yeah. Um, but there are questions for fire and rescue about how they are recruiting, the, about the state of the on-call. People can be concerned about the level of crewing in their on-call fire station. Um, yeah, we, we do get... It is a more of a debate, and yes, it has been a question of raising the profile, but I think that accountability... I'm told I've got a recognition factor of about 34% in Essex at the moment. That's probably nothing like what you would have as, uh, as, as MPs, but it's... Much higher, probably. <laughs> <laughs> okay. Can I ask, what's turnout like in the, uh, the election for, for your role? So I, I, I like the fact that, uh, that, that we had it coincident with the uh, county council elections last time around, meant that we were in the uh, just below 40% like they were. A, perhaps a relevant statistic for you. More people voted for me than voted for all of the successful county councillors, no matter which party they came from. <laughs> okay, okay, right. Carolyn Harris. How many didn't vote? Hmm? How many didn't vote at all? How many didn't get engaged in the election? Uh, well, I mean, the same as for local elections. It, it, so the, the total turnout was, I think, 37 or 38 percent, which okay, is yeah. like local elections normally. Are. But it, is it, I mean, I don't know if this statistic's available, but for police and crime commissioners and those who've then taken on responsibility for, for fire, is there a difference or not? Is that. Ooh. In terms of turnout? I'd, I don't think so, no. not really. Okay. I mean, you know, I. I won with a majority of 135,700 and, and a straight majority of the, of the popular vote. Right. Um, was it because I'm fire? I've no idea. Okay. I, it's not possible to disassociate that. Okay. Carolyn. Well, thanks, thank you, Jeff. Yeah. Uh, on that subject, can I just ask, um, do you think that the general public, this follows on from my colleague's question, do you think the general public really know that they can complain? Do they understand that they can complain if they're not happy about the fire service, the police service, I mean, as an MP, most people who have a complaint about the police, not the fire service, they probably don't even know they can complain about the fire service. Why would they? They don't come in contact with the fire service unless it's an emergency and then normally they want to say thank you. But with the police, um, 
they tend to complain about a particular officer and they may go to the IPPC, but they don't ever communicate that the commissioner is an option for them or they don't understand the role of the commissioner. So how do you, how do you feel, what difference do you think you've made I know that you said you've reached, you've got a high profile, and that's brilliant. But, but that's, I'm I, not I, sure it's high. I just I'm I have not a profile. convinced that the, the role itself, the, the general public, understand at all what that role is. It's just another tier of government, as far as they are concerned, and not even now on some occasions, unfortunately. Hmm. Um, I knock on a lot of doors. I would absolutely agree with you that when I started doing it back in 2016 for this role, people said, what do you do? Um, now they don't. Now I say, I'm your police fire and crime commissioner. They go, oh, nice to meet you, and yeah, how's it going? How would, you, how would you get that across the country? Because most people don't really understand the difference. Between, in Wales, we've got an even more complicated system. We've got the Athenas. In between, yes. most people get confused between what a councillor does and what a senate member does, and then an MP. So you can guarantee they want to complain about the black bags. It's me they come to, and then I have to filter it all back down. So how do you feel? Absolutely, and you know, in my area we have two tier local governments, three tier. We've got a lot of parish councils, town councils. We've also got boroughs and districts, and we've also got counties, and we've got a couple of unitaries. Um, and I, I can tell you, as having been a borough councillor and a county councillor, the public do not trouble themselves as to which councillor is responsible for what. If they want to complain, they'll go to the person they know. The objective has to be to make sure that you are the person they know and that they know what your responsibilities are. And that's why I do so many public meetings. We have a big social media presence. Um, do many people turn up at the meetings? Depends. I mean, we've, we've had ones where there was concern about the, the, the rate of crime. Saffron Walden, normally a leafy green, often appears in the Daily Telegraph as the finest place to live in the country. Um, but turned up there once, 250-odd people there. Um, not quite with pitchforks, but, you know, really strong feeling about wanting to see more done in their town centre. I've been to South End, which is our biggest urban conurbation, and had two dozen people turn up. It, it depends what the issues are at the time. Okay, thank you. Okay, thank you. James Daly. <coughs> Mr Harding, can I just ask you a very straightforward question? What is the best way for politicians to scrutinise um, people in your position? It's people in my position as a chief fire as officer. As a chief fire officer. As a chief fire officer. So, I think first and foremost, the thing that needs to be absolutely clear is the scheme of constitution and the respective roles and responsibilities of chief fire officers and, in the circumstances today, police fire and crime commissioners or any other governance body that exists. I think you have to start with absolute clarity about what those roles and responsibilities are. Yep. I think the second element of that is, um, and there is a direct comparison here between chief constables and chief fire officers, is the operational independence that exists with Chief Constables set out in the Police Protocol Order, uh, which is clear but still creates some debate from time to time. Uh, and at the moment for Chief Fire Officers, that clarity around the operational independence of Chief Fire Officers is not set in the same way, and that's a matter that um, Home Office and Government are currently addressing. So I think you have to start with clarity about what the roles and responsibilities are, and then I think you have to have the mechanisms in place that enable 
the Police Fire and Crime Commissioner in these circumstances to hold the Chief Fire Officer to account for the performance of the fire. I understand service. that, but what's the best way of doing that? Well, in, your, in your view, I mean, I understand that that we, we can set up whatever the structure is that you that you yeah. think is appropriate. What's the best way of doing it? So the best way of doing it, in, so in addition to the the schemes of const constitution, I think you then have to have a plan. Uh, and the Police Fire and Crime Commissioner will have a Fire and Rescue Service plan that's going to set out their ambition for the service. Then I think it's the responsibility of the Chief Fire Officer to, to develop the corporate plan that delivers what they think is best for the Fire and Rescue Service in their area, which is cognizant of the Fire and Rescue Service plan that the um, Police Fire and Crime Commissioner has set out. Well, and so then I, I understand all that, but what I'm trying to get at is in terms of, um, let's just take it to uh, the most basic term. If you have a chief fire officer who is not doing their job properly, yep. somebody has got to hold them to account. Somebody's got to effectively take action if they need to be yep. um, relieved of their duties. Is it better that you have a panel of councillors, or is it better that you have someone like Mr. Hurst to um, ensure that that accountability is there within the system? I, I generally, I think both can work. I think both can work, provided you've got the appropriate system in place that enables that authority to deal with the performance and conduct of a Chief Fire Officer. Because the National Framework document makes it very, very clear that whatever governance arrangement's in place, it is the requirement of that governance arrangement to hold the Chief Fire Officer to account. Right. And then it's the responsibility of the governance arrangement to have the systems and process in place to do that. And that starts with one-to-one -one performance development reviews that are established on a very formal basis all the way through to a construct and an arrangement where if the performance isn't what it needs to be there is a means to deal with that area of performance in whichever way is appropriate and there will be a range of ways in which that can be dealt with. The, the, the Chair touched on, we've seen some very um, harrowing story or harrowing um, incidents of culture or negative culture within the fire service. Um, now. Has the level of scrutiny, do you think, from politicians in whichever way, allowed that negative culture to flourish within the fire service? The lack of political accountability? Yeah. I, I, I think, in, in short, the answer to your question is yes, yeah. um, because the circumstances that we found in fire services across the country, there is a collective accountability for those circumstances, and that collective accountability sits right throughout the organisation from the authority that has responsibility for holding Chief Forest and senior leadership to account, the senior leadership of that organisation for setting the culture of the organisation, all the way down to the individual and personal responsibility sometimes of people who behave in inappropriate ways. Uh, so the fact that we have some of these reports um, it would, would absolutely suggest that, um, yes, in places, um, those arrangements around accountability haven't been right. Thank you very much indeed, Mr. Haldeen. Mr. Hurst, can I just ask you a question? I'm going to take it as read that you're excellent at your job, so we'll, 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 we'll take that as a starting point. So That's very kind to, of you. We don't need to debate the, the uh, pros and cons of that thing. Um, but the, um, there are people who think that, we should, that the concept of police and crime commissioners um, is not the way we should proceed in terms of scrutiny of police, that whether it's through the, the original model of... of panel of councillors or whatever it may be. Now what would you say to people like that who think that police and crime commissioners are a, um, should we say, um, 
what's the word? Uh, uh, well, I'm not as articulate as Mr. Anderson, but we should say costly and not effective. <laughs> I think I heard your sort of actually comment there. Uh, we even, what is it now, more than 10 years on, we still cost less in terms of our our own salaries and deputy salaries than the police authorities that went, went before us, uninflation adjusted. Um, leave that as it is. So we are, we are, we are at least low-cost ways of governing policing. Um, I go back to what I said at the beginning, democratic mandate, transparency, openness. I have to fight elections I understand that, Mr. I'm sorry to interrupt, but I understand that, but that's, that's the bit I don't mean you will blow part on. And we, we can stand on anything. We can, you know, we can call ourselves any title and stand and people can give us a mandate. You know, that, that doesn't matter. No. The, the, the point, sorry, I'm, I'm not challenging, I'm not criticizing. What I'm trying to say is the point of having a mandate is to carry out a job effectively on behalf yes. of the public. Now, I don't know, as an incident, I don't know what the charge out rates for various offences are for Essex Police. I'm sure you could tell me there's great progress being made in respect of that. But what I don't understand is why we need a police and crime commissioner if, you, if the person who's running the police force, the chief constable, has operational independence, if he's running, the, or he or she's running the, the police force anyway, and basically you're a critical friend who can sort of suggest things here and there, why do we need you, Mr Hurst, in those circumstances? Well, I mean, the three things which are my... The things I'm not allowed to delegate yeah. are appointing and dismissing the chief constable, yeah. um, setting the council tax and the budget, yeah. and setting the strategy in consultation with the Chief Constable. Um, those are, I mean, my father was a senior cop, and uh, he didn't, didn't quite live to see me being elected to this role, uh, but he did, on, my, on his deathbed, charge me with not being the sort of politician who thinks they can be operationally in charge of policing, be a better cop than a cop, and that's not what I intended to, intended yeah. to be at all. But we are there to ensure that public money is well spent by people who are competent in doing it. And it has been controversial with Chief Constables and indeed with Her Majesty's Inspectorate uh, that some Chief Constables had to leave after PCCs came in. Um, and they did. And there was a period when the period of tenure of Chief Constables became quite short. Mm. Police authorities before had not been holding Chief Constables to account in the same way that PCCs do. I know that Chief Constables sounded uncomfortable, but I have not yet heard anyone tell me that any of the Chief Constables who had to go shouldn't have gone. No, but if you take, for instance, let's just say that, I'm, I'm, I don't know whether this is the case, but let's just say there is a low charge-out rate for burglary in Essex or whatever it may be. I'm just picking something out. What actually can you do to impact the operational decisions that the Chief Constable makes to get the outcome that, that people want. People clearly want people arrested for committing offences such as that. What can you practically do? Oh, I can ask, ask them to do a deep dive into what they are doing, uh, explain to me why it isn't working, and explain to me what they intend to do about it. And I do that, exactly. Right. So in one of the examples in Essex recently would have been the, 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 the way we were implementing Clare's Law. Completely unsatisfactory. Uh, January a year ago, we reviewed it. Um, they changed what they were doing. In the last six months, we've, we've provided more Clare's Law disclosure uh, than we did in the previous five years. Absolute change. And my final question is, do you have a, I'm sorry, I shouldn't know this, but do you have a mayor in, in Essex? No. No. Um, not, a, not a direct election. We have lots of borough mayors. Is a mayor coming to Essex? No. 
We have the, uh, well, it depends on There your is point no proposal, sorry. It depends on your point of view, the great fortune or misfortune, depending on where you come in the argument, to have a mayor in Greater Manchester. Now, the, the mayor in Greater Manchester, adding other areas, obviously great fortune from certain perspectives, but um, <laughs> from other, other people have different opinions, but that's a different story, Mr Hurst. The, the point I was going to, going to say is that if um, the good people of Essex decide they want to directly elect a mayor, do you think there is a benefit of, if that happens, I'm asking you to comment on that, of your role being merged into the mayoral role? Again, a really interesting question. I think uh, there's, there's sort of benefits on both sides. I, I really like my job, so uh, I ought to de de declare an interest. Um, and I have said to colleagues that if they wanted to put forward a tier three deal where we, uh, uh, where we would actually end up with a what, what, what I'm trying to say is, you're, you're, is that you've got a full-time job as a police and crime yes, commissioner, right? I have. Uh, mayors are doing police and crime commissioner jobs as part of their wider duties in terms of all sorts of other responsibilities. The, the, I the, think... The, the, somebody would suggest, or suggest to me, that it appears in, in other parts of the country that your job is being done on a part-time basis by mayors. So I would suggest to you that it's yeah. better done with direct transparency and openness by a PFCC, where we are standing on standing on policies, which the public get to scrutinise about what we intend to do with policing and with fire and rescue. Um, I don't think that the mayors that we have have had enough of what they intend to do with policing and fire and rescue in their election documents and in the debate with the public. And I think you can see in the Louise Casey report, particularly on London, where it talks about the dismissive way in which the senior management of the, the Metropolitan Police treated MOPAC, um, that that accountability has not been as strong as if you had someone directly elected to do it. Thank you, Chair. Can I just, um, I just want to ask you about Claire's law, actually, because you just said that you've, you've taken steps to deal with the very low level of disclosures. Mm -hmm. So I was just looking, this was a media report, and it talked about uh, Essex Police disclosed information for only 5% of the 1,940 that, that yes. Claire law, Claire's Law applications. That was up to March 23. So are you saying that because of your involvement and asking the Chief Constable to look at that, is that numbering, have you, have you got so the that number was, we look, we, They looked at it in January, that, that was the year to then March, but obviously the problem didn't happen between January no. and March, it was the years before that. Right. And uh, they changed what they did over the summer, we reviewed it again in October, and as I said, in the, in the last six months, yeah. we've done as many disclosures as we've done in the previous five years. Gosh, okay. So do you know so where you are in terms of the, tight, the league table? So we're now um, responding to about two-thirds of inquiries. Uh, so we wouldn't be at the top yet. Right. Um, but we're a lot better than where we were. Right. Where we were, 5%. Okay, yeah. thank you. Uh, Tim Lawton. Um, Mr Harman, can I come back? What proportion of frontline fire officers are either women or from a BME background yeah. so, so if you look at, there are 30,700, give or take a few, firefighters uh, across uh, English fire services at the moment. Um, you've got 8.7% um, um, of that operational workforce uh, are currently female firefighters. 8% uh, of that workforce are currently firefighters from an ethnic minority background. Uh, okay. Those figures in both of those counts have gone up by about 1% in the last year, uh, which is about the average trend over recent years. And, and from 10 years ago, is it 
ten years ago, I, I, or rough, or whatever. So ten years ago, I haven't got, got the, the exact figures uh, to hand, but on the um, uh, both would be around about the four to five percent mark <laughs> ten years ago. Mr. Hurst, do you know what the figures for Essex? Yes, uh, so we're now seventeen percent uh, female. Sorry, we're now 20% female, up from 17% uh, five years ago, and we are uh, ethnic minority. Bear in mind, Essex is not a particularly diverse county, sure, sure. it's only 3%. So, is that part of your role? Yes. Driving those figures up? Um, driving those figures up? I wouldn't regard it as simply being a, a, a role to drive those figures up. My, my role is to change the culture, has been very much to change the culture of Essex County Fire and Rescue Service and setting the tone for that. Part of it has been reaching out to a broader workforce base and wanting to be more representative of the communities that, 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 that Okay, we but in terms of your role in, in that, your yes. figure is obviously very much higher than the national Average, so 20% um, up 3% over the last year yeah. against 8.7% for women, up by about uh, 1%. Has that been actively achieved? Yes. Partly by your involvement? Yes. And, uh, so, what was your involvement and what do you the, feel your involvement The, the, in that the involvement be? really was by putting it in the fire and rescue plan and saying that we wanted to achieve a better culture through greater diversity. So, it really links back to the toxic behaviour problems you had before. Well, that was the starting point, but of course so you, you, it's, the fire and rescue plan wasn't just about that, but yes. So, again, I'm just coming back to the role between you as the scrutineer and the chief fire officer as the implementer of, uh, of operational um, policy. Um, was that something you had to push? Was it something that they automatically said, yes, we must uh, uh, do that, we're lagging behind, and this is how we... Uh, how we do it, and if they had said to you, actually it's not a problem and we can't do anything about it, what would you have done? Well, I, I, I did what I did, and that was where we were when I started, and we put in place a completely management team led by Joe Turton, who had a different view. But, but just putting and that it was by putting it in the fire and rescue plan, and then okay, recruiting but just by to putting in the plan, plan that we should look to have a more inclusive, whatever you want to call it, um, workforce, doesn't mean it's going to happen. Well, you have to then hire the people who are going to do it. Right. Which is another, the other part of the job. So it's not just scrutiny. The, the job is about setting the strategy, setting the budget, and putting the right senior management in place. Absolutely understand that. But in, in terms of you agree that it's part of your role not just to act as a filter for complaints where things are, no. are going wrong, but also to drive the complexion yes. in, in all respects. Absolutely. Uh, of what that service is and, and the fire service or the, uh, or the police forces uh, as well. And you are proactively, you believe, involved in that and should be. Yes. Yeah. Fine. So this, okay. the papers that come to the strategic board about what the service wants to do, they have to explain to me how they align with the fire and rescue plan. And why do you think that couldn't be achieved by a, um, a, a whatever they call them, but the usually fire committee of, well, yes, usually chaired by a county councillor, who hasn't made cabinet? Um, I don't think it can't be. I just don't think it very often is. Um, so it's perfectly possible, but I have a statutory obligation to write a fire and rescue plan. A fire authority doesn't. So if you haven't got a plan, 
how are you going to hold yeah. the chief officers to account for delivery against the plan? So you, you, you could reform fire authorities and insist that they have the same obligations to fulfil as we do as PCCs. I would think that would be a good idea. I don't, I, like Mr Harding, I don't think that PFCCs are the only solution. Um, but having talked with um, Stephen Greenhouge when he was putting together the, the Fire and Rescue White Paper quite a lot, I really do think that there is something about the, the single accountable person model, whether that is a county council cabinet member or a PFCC or a mayor or a deputy mayor, um, which is really quite important, and that that person should have the obligations to deliver a plan, to deliver the strategy, obviously in consultation with chief officers. I am not a, I, I never have been, and never will be a firefighter, um, so I need to take professional advice about sure. what needs to be in it. Yeah. But I need to be accountable for it. Yeah. Thank you. Thank you, Chair. Um, I just wanted to ask you a couple of questions. You've obviously um, enjoyed and, and made a success of taking on the Fire and Rescue Service. Are there other parts of, say, the criminal justice system that you think it would be appropriate to have a, a commissioner responsible for? I'm thinking things like probation, other areas that you might think, yes, I could do a good job there. Absolutely. And what would you like to do? <laughs> Sounds like mission creep here. <laughs> mission creep. Uh, yeah, I didn't take this job to, to create an empire. Um, but having looked at what we do, I think that there is a case, and whether it would be the same role or whether it would be a, a separate locally elected role, that would be for you people to be considering and deciding. But there is undoubtedly a, a case for more local direct accountability of probation. And to be honest with you, I would also like to take on uh, youth justice, um, which is, at the moment is largely done through the county council or the unitary councils, um, and they don't do it badly, but I think you, if you brought it within the same fold, it would be able to coordinate it. But I work very closely and, and I think well with our youth justice, uh, youth offending team executives. I don't think it's very high up the county council's list of priorities. They are very concerned with what they are doing around adult and children's social care, mm -hmm. around highways. Um, all, all those things are absolutely up front and centre. Libraries up front and centre for a county council. <laughs> Youth offending is not, and I think it would it, it would have a a home that cared more about it if it were with PFCCs. Right. Okay. That that's very interesting. Um, one of the criticisms that I've read in the evidence around police and crime commissioners taking on responsibility for fire is the very different cultures that the fire, uh, fire and police have, and that police are about law enforcement, fire service is often seen as there as helping people. Uh, and I'm just wondering, has that proved difficult in terms of putting together two quite different organisations and, and having a, a one person in kind of responsible for both of them? And perhaps, Mr Hardingham, you might yeah, want to... Yeah, I'm happy to go first on that. Yeah. And, and I think it's, it's about... The definition or the extent to which you refer to putting those two organisations together because my, my sense and my, my preference and my view is that actually 
the, fire, the services are similar, but equally they are quite different and they do different things and they have a different culture. And there are elements of both services that should maintain their identity and be entirely separate. Equally, there are elements of what the services do where there is an opportunity to come together and collaborate, particularly where it's often the same people in local communities who are suffering the impact of crime, who are suffering the impact around fire safety or wider community safety issues. So we can work together collectively uh, with people who are suffering from a vulnerability. But I do think it's important to maintain the identity of the two respective services, recognising they are different. And I think that is in both the public-facing visibility of the services to the public, but I also think it extends up into the sort of senior leadership team of those services and having the distinct roles of a chief fire officer and a chief constable, both of whom are held to account, but separately by the police, fire uh, and crime commissioner. Right, OK. Mr Hurst. I, I, would, I would absolutely agree that they are different. And one of the things I made clear when I took on joint governance was that I was not looking to make firefighters into police officers or police constables into firefighters. They have different roles, different jobs, different skill sets, and, in, as you say, a, a different perception by the public. Um, I think that there are bits they can learn from each other. So I think what you said about protecting the public, actually having a more regular dialogue between not just Chief Constable and Chief Fire Officer, but actually other Chief Officers between the services has helped Essex Police understand more about the fact that it is there to protect the public rather than simply enforce the law. Yeah? Of course they have to enforce the law, but we want earlier intervention. We want to focus more on vulnerable people and keep them safe. More prevention work. And I think that has been a, a useful way Essex Police had effectively withdrawn from educational engagement. They saw what the Fire and Rescue Service was doing and joined in, and that's made a big difference in terms of the behaviour of young people across Essex. So really important learning across the piece. And also, I mean, there is, the Fire and Rescue Service has a role in enforcement um, against businesses, against buildings, owners, which are not compliant with fire regulation. That can be something, tell me I'm wrong Mark, but that can be something in my experience that firefighters find <coughs> difficult to get their heads round because they don't join to be enforcement people. Having a more regular dialogue with the police about how enforcement is done has not been detrimental in taking that aspect of firefighting forward. Right, okay. Yeah, I, yes, just please. one other example, yeah. and, and I'll draw back from when I was the Chief Fire Officer of Suffolk, and Suffolk <coughs> uh, was a fire service governed by County Council, and I direct responsibilities inside the County Council alongside my Chief Fire Officer role. Um, and we worked very closely with the Police Crime Commissioner Tim Passmore in Suffolk for the whole time that I was there and he was in post. Uh, and when I left in that governance arrangement, um, I left in a position where they were close to having 20 of the 35 fire stations in Suffolk, which were shared estates with uh, a combination of fire, police or ambulance services. And I think in those local communities, I think the local community saw benefit in having a shared place and one place to go, but equally still understood and recognised the different roles, brands and responsibilities of the respective organisations and just welcomed the fact there was a visible presentation of working together. Right, okay, well that's, um, that's very helpful. Thank you very much indeed for your time today.